Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're so great that we can praise you forever. And truly, when we see you as you are, that we'll not grow bored or tired of giving you glory. We praise you, Lord, that, that, um, that we have the privilege and opportunity to know you and have relationship with you. And pray now that you'd help us to understand your word and to let it resonate and, and shape us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you were made to worship God. Isaiah wrote, The people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And then he wrote, And they will be called a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So it's not about us. It's about God, and it's about us making him famous. Our first life purpose is to worship God. You know, that word has, is, the meaning of that word basically is to give God worth, and there's kind of a range of meaning around it. It means things like to adore God, to fear God, to praise him, to honor him, to respect him, um, you know, there's something interesting about it. As you think about worship, uh, people are going to build, we're built to worship, and so we are going to worship. It's not so much are we going to worship, but it's who we're going to worship. We are going to worship something. It's just a matter of which direction is our heart going to go. You've heard some people say, uh, he worships the ground she walks on. Because that's what we do. Or you've heard maybe Muhammad Ali, the great boxer, say, I'm the greatest. And then people repeating, he's the greatest. People worshiping Muhammad Ali. Sports center broadcasts who, who will say things like, he's not human. What he just did is otherworldly. We have a whole um, industry, a celebrity culture, built on the worship of heroes. I mean, we're so fascinated with these people in their lives that... They are there to greet us every time we check out our groceries. You get to see those people. What's the new thing going on in their lives? And then millions of fans that fill sports stadiums every year to cheer. And those, those, we, we build up those sports heroes so much that they can sell products and they can get you to vote a certain way. I mean, it's just a part of who we are. It's not like we really have to reach for this. We just have to think about, well, who, who has my heart? Who has my greatest respect? Who am I in awe of? We're built to worship. Now, the thing is, you know, we tend to go with uh, lesser gods. That's the, always been the problem with people, is that we've taken our worshiping heart and, and given it to things or people that don't deserve it. And that results in disorder inside of us because we are worshiping the wrong thing. Paul said it this way. He says that they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You know, there's a movie, Castaway with Tom Hanks, and he worshipped Wilson, his beloved volleyball. I mean, people will do anything. That's not so crazy because if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, the ancient cultures were worshipping stone statues that had eyes that couldn't see and ears that couldn't hear and mouths that couldn't speak and hands that couldn't move. But people would bow down to these things and worship them. So we get, we get mixed up. You know, we have an appetite to do it, but we, we tend to go the wrong direction. Uh, I, I had an experience uh, 
coming back from my vacation, I did something I was kind of kicking myself for. So last morning, full, full day, we were in Vancouver. Had to get up really early to catch the train. Ate breakfast at 4.30 in the morning. Caught the train from Vancouver. And, and, and then we got to Seattle, and I had a, a turkey sandwich. And uh, so we're in Seattle. It's late morning. I'm starting to feel some hunger. And, but we're, we get off the train, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go to Pike Place Market, which has all this great food, right? And you only, I, I mean, it used to be when you're younger, you could eat a lot. But can't do that anymore. It's not, it's not any fun. So I only have so much space for so much food. And I'm, we're on our way to Pike Place Market where they have fish and chips and they have, you know, crab cocktails and shrimp cocktails and they have ice cream. They have all kinds of chocolate. Even like bratwurst and German food, you can get it. You know, they have all kinds of foods, really tasty, really good, fresh cherries, fresh raspberries. And I got this turkey sandwich in my hand, walking to Pike Place Market, and I start eating this turkey sandwich, which was dry and stale and tasteless. And while I'm eating it, and, you know, I was tasteless in Seattle the way Meg Ryan or Tom Hanks were sleepless in Seattle. I was tasteless. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? I'm eating a tasteless, stale, dry turkey sandwich. And Pike Place is right on the horizon. The good stuff. And I'm wasting my appetite. And I, I, I like, ate almost the whole thing, threw the rest in the trash can. By the time we got to Pike Place, I wasn't hungry. And I couldn't enjoy the, the great food. I'm like, you know, that's kind of what we do with worship. We settle for lesser gods for whatever reason, and we miss out on the best. People will give all of their adoration to a flawed, limited human being that will eventually disappoint them. Or they'll give it to something like money that they think that's going to make me happy. And it doesn't bring happiness, and it doesn't bring long-lasting joy. While God is on the horizon, he's out there, this being of endless fascination and eternal goodness. And here we are, we can focus on this thing like a tasteless turkey sandwich and give our hearts to that thing. You know, God, God will never disappoint you. He made you. He loved you so much that he says, I will not, I cannot live without you. And I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to bring you back. God watches over you and God helps you. God shows mercy to you when you don't deserve it and when I don't deserve it. God gives grace to you. He's patient with you. He's really, um, has really good plans for your life. He sees every hurt that you've ever gone through in your life. The Bible says he catches our tears in a wineskin. Can you imagine that? That God would be paying attention to your tears. He values your life. He provides for you. He protects you. He listens to you whenever you call. You know, they call, they, they pay those dispatchers at 9-11 to answer your call. But I think even they would get tired if you called them all the time. They say, you know, this is for emergencies. Not to talk about, you know, your day. Okay, but God is always on call. He has an inheritance waiting for you. And then he makes the same offer to everyone on the planet, all the other 7 billion people. 
he's making that offer. And that is not even mentioning what he's doing in nature right now. That blows my mind, what he's doing with the insects, the ants under the ground, the worms, what he's doing with the birds in the air and all the fish that swim in the sea, all the animals that run around the earth, all the plant life. God's hand is involved in that. He sustains it by the power of his word. So he's doing all this for us. He's doing all this for for our immediate world. He oversees the galaxies and the stars and the suns and the moon. All of that. Can you imagine what he must be like? Even the angels don't get tired of him. They say the same thing over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was and is and is to come. I mean, they just keep falling down. I mean, think about how awesome he must be for these angels to continue to do that night and day around his throne. It must be something. Obviously, we don't have the vision or the eyes to see that. You know, we have this block to be able to see the wonder and the majesty of God. So there's no one like him. Um, so, So it makes sense that worship is our number one purpose in life. Jesus was asked, what's the most important command of all? And he said this, number one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and in some other verses, with all your strength. And if we get that love right, then he orders all the other loves right in our life. If we get this one thing in place, to love God first, with all of our mind, all of our strength, God is going to just set things right in our lives. I was talking to a chiropractor friend this week. And he went to a chiropractic workshop. And the doctor that was teaching was saying, you know, he says, my wife got sick this year. And we were both surprised. And he said, because she hadn't been sick in like six or seven years. And he said, and I haven't been sick hardly either. And then all the chiropractors started talking among themselves. Yeah, we don't get sick very often either. And their theory is, because they're all, not only do they do chiropractic care, but they all receive chiropractic care. And because they receive chiropractic care, what happens is, the the theory behind chiropractic care is, your spinal column gets out of joint. They call it subluxations. And when it's out of joint, the, 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 the bone pinches down on the nervous system, the spinal cord, which impinges... The, the, the functioning of other systems in our body, like our immune system. So the more that you can keep the spinal cord from being pressed upon, the better the rest of your systems in your body work. That's kind of the theory behind chiropractic care. And, and, and so they said, we're just, our immune system works better because we receive chiropractic care. Therefore, we don't get sick as much. So get that one thing right, your spinal column, and it's going to open up health. You're going to be a healthier person. Well, worship is kind of the chiropractic care of the human spirit. When we're properly aligned in our relationship with God, the rest of our loves become well-ordered. Our love for our parents and our children and our spouse, our relationship with our own bodies, our relationship with our mind, our relationship to food, our relationship to our car and our houses, our stuff that we have. Um, the, the, the way that we, that we just care for things, what we do with our money, what we do with our time, what we do with our energy. We have all these things as human beings that we're responsible for and that we're, we're in relationship with. And when that first relationship is in order, he tends to just put everything, everything else starts to click into place. When God is our first love, he just orders our life. And when we don't, spiritual sickness sets in. If you want to read the most um, sobering, grim picture 
of subluxations of the soul. Read Romans chapter 1, verses 25 through 32. It talks about how when worship and thanking God gets out of place and people don't do it in the right way, everything else falls apart. You know, and, and, and as people try to understand what's going on in America, what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world, ultimately it comes down to one thing. We're not worshiping God. He doesn't have our hearts. Because when God gets a hold of people's hearts, everything starts to get resolved. And these problems over here, these social problems, they'll start to get resolved. It happens. Eugene Peterson, who, who did the, the message translation of the Bible, he put it this way. A people's lives are only as good as their worship. Worship defines life. If worship is corrupt, life will be corrupt. Okay. So now, now, now what do we do to begin to be, uh, you know, to get in alignment and make it so that we are loving God above before everything else. He's number one. So there's a couple of things in your notes. If you want to write these in, you can do that. But here it is. Understand, first of all, that worship is reverence and awe of God. True worship starts with our hearts. A humble heart toward God, um, deep respect, honor, trust, submission. That's in place before a song is ever sung or a prayer is ever prayed, before a note is ever played. It's like, where's my heart? Do I think more highly of God? Do I respect God more? Do I love God more than anyone or anything else in the world? Ask yourself, am I captivated by the Father? Am I captivated by Jesus? Do I enjoy him? Do I respect him more than everything else. And the second thing follows from that is reverent actions. Okay? Reverential actions. In the Bible, that includes all kinds of activities. Things like a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Offerings, fellowship, eating together, being honest, keeping your promises, doing justice, being compassionate. Basically, our whole life should be an act of worship. Paul said, whenever you do whether in word or deed, do it all in the name or the character of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so how can we move towards that? How do we move toward living out this purpose of worshiping God? Number one is do this. Offer your life to God. You just offer yourself to him. As much as you know, you just give it to him. Okay, let's read what Paul said in Romans 12. Let's read this out loud. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So God has already been merciful to us. And in, in response to his mercy to us, we just say, well, here's my life. Here's, I'm giving you all that I know of myself. I'm giving you my heart. And I want you to take it. We give it back to him. Trust God. You were made for him. Once you do that, life will really start to fall into place. And so first thing is just offer yourself. You don't have to be a religious person. You don't have to even have to attend a church a lot. You can just say, God, um, all, all that I know of myself, I, I'm now ready to give it over. I, I surrender. Okay? Second thing is this. Study God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your mind. So find out who God is. 
I don't know about you, but when, I, when I'm interested in a person or I'm inspired by somebody, I want to know about them. Like if I like a particular history, uh, figure from history like Abraham Lincoln. Okay, well, I don't read about Abraham Lincoln. What kind of guy was this? I want to know what made him tick. Is there something I can learn from his life? You know, a lot of people have written books on Abraham Lincoln or Winston Churchill. Some people say he was the greatest man of the 20th century. Who was this guy that helped to preserve freedom and democracy during World War II? What an interesting character who mid-life was a failure politically. And then he came back just blazing, leading England through that terrible time. You know, so when you, when you get to know, when, you, when you're fascinated with somebody, you tend to want to know about them. Well, God is the most fascinating, interesting person in all the universe. So study him. Um, to know him is to love him. You study him in his word. You listen to other people talk about him. Study God. Number three is experience God. Okay? Let's read this uh, from David's pen. Read this with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. So part of the fear and the awe and the reverence of God is to taste him. Taste means basically experience God. Have you experienced God's forgiveness? Have you experienced his power in any way in your life? Have you experienced his kindness? Um, Have you experienced him taking care of you, bailing you out of something? Have you ever been protected? You know, we were protected this week. Little story right here at Happy Time. I'm out, I'm in the parking lot, I'm kind of sweeping, pulling some weeds. I see this car that went around the corner to drop off. It was a, it was a grandma dropping off her grandchild, grandson, I think. I, I was not an eyewitness, I was an earwitness. Because all of a sudden I heard this terrible sound of a car, it was going through the fence into the playground. And the car was up on top of the fence and just, you know, it's just like, what is she doing? And, and then she backed up and a pole, you, you can go see it if you want. A pole's completely flattened over the sidewalk where the kids normally play. There were tire marks in the sand. And she backed up, her front end of the passenger side's torn up from the poles. And it was like, at first it was like, what do we do? There was another dad. There's a dad standing there who watched the whole thing. And I was standing. She got out. It's like, what in the world happened? She says, you know, she got out. She says, I thought I was hitting the brake and I hit the accelerator. And, and immediately started dealing with insurance companies and all that stuff. And you're thinking about all the details of this. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, thank God. There were no kids in that playground. There was not a child in that sandbox. And I was reading to the, the, the preschoolers Friday morning. And I told them, you know, God was watching out for you today. Because there was an accident on the playground and nobody was out there. I mean, do you see those things when God's working? A lot of times, we, you know, to experience God, you have to see what he's doing. And things can happen and we don't even recognize what he's doing sometimes. And that was an incident of, you know, God was watching out for us. Or sometimes untangling things, experiencing God's wisdom. I experienced that yesterday in a, in a family issue. It was like, oh, this is so great. God's working this out. He's given us eyes to see. And we're working out this problem. 
So when you experience him, you want to praise him. Well, thank you, God. Well, I prayed with the kids. Hey, thank you, God, for protecting us. You know. So offer yourself to him. Study God to see who he is and experience him personally. So like I said, in the coming weeks, I'm going to give you some uh, practical, specific ways you can try each one of these purposes. If you would, just take out this uh, bookmark. It's, a, it's kind of a uh, tan, which says worship tries on it. And here's some things you can do. They're, none of them have to do with music right now, okay? Because a lot of times we think of worship, we think of music. But the Bible, that, that's not the stress in Scripture, that worship equals music. Worship equals all these other things that we do with our heart and life. So here's some things that you could do. Like I said before, um, and I've done this, is turn off all your devices, your TV, your cell phones by 5 p.m. on Saturday night and quiet yourself. You say, well, well Rick, what would, what would that do? Well, it can, it can prepare your mind and your heart to see and receive from God. Because sometimes we come in and we're just crammed with stuff. We're reading news and we're on our phones and we have so many ideas bouncing around in our brains that we can't hear what God is saying in this moment. You know, and so it's like preparing ourselves to receive. I started doing this with my wife when we were dating back in college. And we started praying for the morning service. And it was like my worship experience changed completely. It was like, whoa, I started singing hymns. I remember, to God be the glory. And it was like I just wanted to jump out of my skin. It was like, Yes. When I would say, why, why aren't more people alive singing this? But we were, my wife and I were preparing ourselves. So there's one thing you could do. Sunday morning, you could write down five things you're thankful for. One of the greatest health benefits, healthy things you could ever do with your life is to be a grateful person. People in AA know it. They teach this in AA. And it is one of the keys to life, to being a happy person. And seeing clearly is to being a thankful person. Absolutely critical. Number three, you could spend one minute telling God out loud how great he is. All right? Some of you are kind of quiet. Maybe you might try it. You might go to a place in just one minute. God, here's, here's why I think you're so great. You're great because, you know, you, you, you know my name. There's so many people on this planet. How do you know my name? How do you know all the tears that I've ever cried? I thought I had some secrets, but God, there's no secret with you. You know everything that's gone on in my life, and you care about it. And even though, you know, maybe something really got hurt, but God, you, you, you wept over that time when I got hurt. That hurt you too. You know, just say those things to him. You know, kids love to hear their, their parents love to hear their kids tell them, you know, thank you, or this is a great thing that you did for me. Think how the father loves it when his children tell him these things. Or number, another one is take a half hour to walk around the neighborhood or go somewhere to a park and just observe nature. Have you ever done that? Taken a tree? Maybe you laid under a tree in the shade, you just start looking up. God did this. All the photo, the photosynthesis, the leaves, he made the leaves and the twigs, the, the leaves to attach to the twigs and the root system and the bark on the trees and how this gives off oxygen. You can just sit there and think, wow, God, you, you made all this and you keep it all going. You can just look at a brook or a rock or something, okay? You can do whatever you're sensing God is telling you to do. To worship him. Lord, I think you want me to do this today. I'm going to do this to honor you. Or the last one I have there, do your job this week as if you're working for God. Okay, so your boss is over there, but you're thinking, no, my real boss is God. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this job to please God. Okay? You're going to do it with, with all your heart and, and honor him. Whether you get recognized or get a raise or anything, you're just going to do it. Or you can fill something else in there. But that's it. That's your assignment. 
is to try something different in worship and then come back next week and write it on a post-it note and stick it on the board back there, okay? I'd also like you to pay attention when you do whatever it is that you do, what happens inside of you? Just monitor what's going on in your heart as you attempt to worship God in that way, okay? And see if it's something that, hey, I might want to try this again. This is a good thing for, for worshiping him, okay? All right, so we're going to pray this morning. Um, I want to give you that opportunity to just offer yourself to God if you haven't done that, but definitely to, to, to study, to experience him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've invited us into this uh, um, great opportunity to walk in relationship with you. You are the God of life. You're the God of love. And you don't want to hold, you don't want to hide from us. You want us to know that. And so, Lord, help us today to give ourselves over. And if, if you've, if you're, have never done that this, this morning, I invite you to do that. Just to take all of yourself, everything that you know of yourself, and just give it to him. Give him your, your heart. Ask him to take away the things in the past that you've done wrong. To just forgive and just throw those things in the ocean. Never to be remembered again. To give your future over to him. Just to give yourself in view of his mercy for you and the fact that he died for you and Jesus rose again to give you life. Give yourself to him. And Father, we pray that you would help us to know you better. To study you. And to taste and see how good you are. Father, I want to thank you personally for what I experienced in knowing that you protected these children Friday. Thank you that you're a God who's a fortress. Thank you, God, that you're a God of wisdom. And you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I thank you for that wisdom yesterday. Lord, I thank you for the stories I heard this week. Of someone just feeling like, hey, he's drawing me. I'm not having just to pursue him all the time, but he's coming after me. I feel it. I thank you, Father, for that. And we bless you. Father, I pray that our, our lives would be a fragrant aroma to you. That we bring a smile to your face. And that you teach us to help always keep you at the, at the, as the focus of our life. Honoring you. Respecting you obeying you, humbling ourselves before you, submitting to you, that we would respect your ways and your word above anything else we hear and anybody else who has other ideas, that you're number one. So help us, God. And we, we pray that you'd walk with us into this week. Uh, wherever we go, some going back to school, many going back to work, some going back to apartments, wherever it is, Lord, May our lives speak of you, I pray. And we ask it all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Be with you.